Dumelang hi Mzanzi and welcome back to Sisters Without Shame, a No Holds Barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Healthful Mzanzi. I'm your host, Nolu Tandu Ngakani, and I'm here to hold your hand as you seek the answers to those mysterious bumps and aches you dare not speak of in public. Akira, we are a safe space here, Bodali. And this week, a mom in crisis from Peter Maritzburg needs just that. She sent us this voice note. Hello, I am the parent of a six-year-old boy. On most days, he is happy and such a joy. He is sweet and I feel bad for even saying that he drains the life out of me. He isn't potty trained no matter how hard I try. So I'm always changing him. He yells constantly all day and then when I get him from school he will cry for hours because I don't take him to get sleep. He will fight with me about clothes and underwear because he is so picky. It's all becoming too much. I feel I'm getting irritated with every little thing. I don't like to yell or lose my temper around him, so I try to go into the bathroom and get myself together. I feel like I am losing myself. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm extremely exhausted. Every single day is a challenge I'm not prepared for. I just feel like a horrible mom for not wanting to be a mom anymore. I have taken him to the doctor and we have had chats about autism spectrum disorder. I am not ready for this. Yo, mommy, don't even worry about it. Luckily, I have very good friends who understand exactly what you're going through. I mean, just the other week on Health Form Zanzi, journalist Pamela Madoncela chatted to Gugu Mjadu from Mpangedi, who told us that her son was diagnosed with autism at age three. Our guest today, though, says that her son was only confirmed autistic when he was 22. Mary Moegedzi from Autism South Africa is the Regional Development Officer for Mpumalanga and Limpopo and shares her insights on raising a son with autism. Mary, can you then tell us, you know, what is autism spectrum disorder? Autism spectrum disorder is a general name for a group of neurodevelopmental conditions. It was given this name after the arrival of the DSM-5 in 2013 because Prior to the DSM-5, we had a group of pervasive developmental disorders. So autistic disorder was one of them with Asperger's, a disintegrative children's disorder, Rett's condition, and the pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified. But after 2013, all these conditions were clubbed together and they came up with the autism spectrum disorders. The condition, autism spectrum disorder, affects people or persons in how they socially communicate, socially interact. They also have what we call restricted repetitive behaviors. And again, they've got some language difficulties and understanding the language and then also affect the sensory perceptions of the persons on the autism spectrum. Another thing that we emphasize when we talk about these conditions is that it is just not a one-size-fits-all, whereby 
you've seen my son who is autistic, then you think that you've seen all autistic persons. It manifests differently from one person to the other. Some people need high support, others they are mild or moderate, and the others are low support. So it all depends on what type of support a person needs, depending on how this person is on that day. So we can't just make it as a uniform because you've seen one person, you think all the people with autism are the same. Yes, the flags, it's not actually symptoms because it's not a disease, are nearly the same, but you've seen one, you haven't seen all of them. I like the idea of how you put that in a very broad spectrum. One of my favorite TikTokers is living with autism in the States and he is homeless and is on the more fully functioning side of the disorder. Mary, what brings you to our podcast is you actually um, are the parent of a child with autism. So I wanted to ask you, you know, what were some of the things that you noticed in your son that sort of prompted you to have him screened? So way back in the mid 80s, We didn't pick up anything until he was like at the nursery school age because he didn't have delayed milestones that sometimes gives away to say there's a problem here. But, you know, he acquired speech at the correct age. He walked at the correct age. He did more or less everything at the required age. But reflecting back when he started nursery school and we realized that it seems that he's not going at the same pace as his peers, I started to realize that as much as he had speech, he did not really understand communication. But we started going for screening and for what what is because When he started school, that is where the difficulty really showed itself completely. Then we started taking him to our local hospital because I am from Pretoria. Our local hospital there, it's now called George Mukari. Then it used to be called Harangua Hospital. So we took him there and all I was told that he was hyperactive. And he was about seven and he was put on Ritalin and nothing more. But the difficulties persisted. Even before I did the many things that I did, I was a domestic worker. And one of the families, and it was in the mid-70s, one of the families that I worked for, they had an autistic son. I started to, that little boy started to come back. But because I didn't understand exactly what autism is or was, I kept on saying to myself, He can't be autistic because he speaks and all that. Because the little boy that I looked after, he didn't have speech. So my understanding of autism at that time was that an autistic person does not have speech, which was very, very wrong. But when going to these health facilities, trying to explain to the doctors about what I'm seeing, he isolates himself. He was very attached to leaves. He would just pluck a leaf from the tree and he'll be jumping around looking at it. And when I explained that, doctors, they didn't even mention, there was not even mention of autism until he was like 16. When I took him after going here and there and I was told he was retarded, there's nothing that will come of him. And I think when he was 16 and because he went to this school, to the next school and the next school. And when he was 16 and I was still struggling, 
to the mental society of Houding, and I was referred to Southrend Hospital. The OT there, when he wrote the report, one sentence on that report, he says the parents claim the son to have some autism signs. And he just said he must just go to a protective workshop because he was already 16. I live in Berea between Yeovilland and Hillbrow in Joburg. So that uh, protective workshop, it was just around the corner from my house. And I went there with him and he said, no, I'm not going to sit here with gogos and, and uncles. I went back to mental society and they referred me a special needs school. By then, it was in Coronationville in the west of Johannesburg. So he went to the, the therapist and assessed him and said, no, we'll take him. And he was 16 and he stayed there until he was 21. And by then, he was not even diagnosed. So by the time he was 22, on this day that I was actually bored and I was just paging through the Jet Club magazine, and I bumped into an article about autism. I read that article and I said, wow, yes, this is what my son has been struggling with. And no one would tell me what is wrong with him. Immediately called the number and the number, you know, started exactly like home number. And I said, you know, these people must be just not very far away from me. And that was Autism South Africa. So I called Autism South Africa. Director was not there. But the admin person promised me that when she comes back, she will give me a call and gave me a call. And I told her where I was and said, no, man, come here. I came to Autism South Africa running and we sat down with our then director who I explained to her my story. And she referred me to the doctor that finally diagnosed my son at the age of 22. So that has been a very long journey for me to get my son diagnosed, but he was eventually diagnosed. And how I felt, it was like, okay, now I know. I know what is the, this condition, and now I know how I could really walk further with my son. One of the things that were quite difficult it's when you are told that the person is retarded and you stay with this person. And I try to understand how am I able to send him to the shop and he will come back with the things that I've sent him to go and buy. Again, how does he actually travel by himself? Because before we went to Berea, we stayed in Brixton, which is in the, the west of Joburg. We stayed in in Brixton and Mayfair. And by then he was at Parker's Primary School. And we used just to put him on the bus and he'll go to school and he come back. He will come back by himself. The only difficulty on the bus, you know, other children, naughty children, they used to steal the um, coupon to get the bus. So we used to buy the coupon nearly every second day. But it has been a very long, difficult journey for me. Mary, can we then talk about, you know, what the biggest obstacles were that you overcame in the journey? The biggest obstacle, I think it was getting him diagnosed. That really helped me to be more patient with him. That helped me to help me to help him more about, you know, find, finding something that could help him. Because I was phoning places, phoning until I found this place, I think it was in 2013. 
are found this place where they work with people with intellectual disabilities and they also take autistic persons where he went and learned some some skills though we're still struggling to find him a job but he's been volunteering at autism south africa for some time and he get a little stipend but you know the obstacles that we as parents of children on the autism spectrum you know the first one just of getting the child diagnosed and properly assessed so that the child can be put in the education system where the child will learn. We know that some of our learners, because of being high support, will not really become academics. But that does not mean that all the children on the autism spectrum must not be in schools. So one of the biggest obstacles Now, I'm not only talking for myself, I'm talking for all parents. It's education, education of uh, persons on the the autism spectrum, especially in African communities. There's still a lot of stigmatization and there's still a lot of misunderstanding of the condition because once you say a child is autistic, there's a notion or belief that she's autistic, you will never learn. You just go to the center. Sometimes they're called stimulation centers, but there's not even stimulation going on in those centers. So the biggest challenge or an obstacle that we still have to jump or to cross as parent is the education obstacle. Because from one of my journeys from Pumalanga, I was doing the autism awareness and one of the people from the blind society said, waiting for one day when you will bring us an autistic person who can self-represent. You are telling us about some people in this country who they've got PhDs. We're waiting to really see those people. And I said, you know what, in Pumalanga, you're going to take a long time to see those people because it starts with the education. So if, if people have not been to school, how on earth going to be able to stand up and self-advocate. How are they going to do that? So the biggest obstacle is education. Biggest obstacle, number one, is getting our children diagnosed at the early age and assessed properly so that they can be put in schools. And not only in school for the sake of having them there, whether they run around, they're not doing anything, you know, he's in school and we're practicing inclusive education. That's not what we are advocating for. We are talking about a child who will be put in school and people understand that this child has got challenges when it comes to his sensory perceptions and he will be supported. This child does not fully understand your social communication and the child gets supported. This child, because of the difficulties of executive functioning, this child will be given support. The teachers will understand that when it comes to planning and organizing, this child has got some difficulties and they will be able to give support because the white paper number six on education says all learners can learn with support. They deserve that dignity as well. Yes, they definitely do deserve that dignity. Another thing is that our people on the autism spectrum have got a special interest. And I think that should be used. Instead of us looking at their weaknesses, 
and talk about their weakness. We can use their strengths to help them learn. I know my weaknesses. And if a person is every day going to be telling me about my weakness, that you talk too much, you say things that that hurt other people, I'm going to be reminded I talk too much and but sometimes I have to hold my horses. I mustn't tell it the way it is. So if people are going to tell me that every day, I won't like it because I know my weakness. And come on, look at my other side and use my positive side to work with me. People like to shame everything. People will talk. You know, Mama Mary, what advice would you offer to other parents who could be facing a similar obstacle? I would like to say to parents is that our first thing that we, we need to do immediately to pick up that my child might have this autism condition. Learn about the condition. Try and understand the condition because the only way of us to be able to advocate for our children is when we understand the condition. When we are able to say to the education department, yes, I know that my child is on the spectrum. I know what are the weaknesses of my child. But this is my child's strength. So if you use this strength to help my child, my child will be able to learn. And I'm also going to say to parents, we must not give up on our children. We have to give our children support because it has to start with us parents. We have to give our children support as much as we can. I know it is not easy. It's quite bumpy. It's full of um, humps. Sometimes you even arrive to a place where you would feel it's like a cul-de-sac. You know, it's a dead end. You can't move further. But we need to push and push. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame, Mama Mary. For more on Mary and Gugu's journeys, raising children with autism, check out healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical bind and looking for a shoulder to cry on, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za or you can even send us a WhatsApp on 076-132-0454. Nah, babes, I never go blue tea. The focus of the parent of a child living with autism should be helping them thrive. And it may be difficult, like Mama Mary said, but you need to be emotionally strong. It's not easy. Being emotionally strong allows you to be the best parent you can be to your child in need. When you're looking after a child with an autism spectrum disorder, it's also important to take care of yourself. That brings us to the end of episode 38 of Sisters Without Shame, proudly brought to you by Health Form Zanzi. From me, Lulu Nakani. Have a great week and remember to show your girl some love by sharing this podcast with a friend.